Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. She was 18 months old, but she was wearing six to nine month clothing. So in this week that I had known about her and knew that we um, got matched with her, I went and I bought a bunch of, you know, clothes and things, but everything I was like, I met her and she was so tiny. Um, at the time we were told that she was considered failure to thrive. And so um, she was a little peanut, very shy um, but so sweet. And we just, yeah, both my husband and I fell in love with her. And we decided that day, we asked the guardian Latum and her foster mom, can she move in with us already? Hello, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. I have a doctor in psychology and am a licensed marriage and family therapist, a registered play therapist, university professor, writer, and mom of two. Each episode of the Parentologist Podcast focuses on a variety of topics related to parenting, family, children, and mental health. I'm glad you're here. On today's episode, we have Kirsten Chernak, and I'm so excited she's going to be on the show today. She is a fellow mom, and I am just so inspired by her completely unique and beautiful motherhood story, and I'm just so excited she's going to be sharing that with us today. Kirsten, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for those kind words. It seriously means so, so much to me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I just, um, as soon as I came across your account, not too long ago, um, I just, like I said, you're just so genuine. And I just really loved um, how you were telling your story about your life. And I think your story can help a lot of other moms out there that may be going through something similar or maybe wanting to explore some of the same avenues you have. So let's start a little bit at the beginning so we can catch people up if they don't know who you are quite yet. I'm sure they will soon um, after this, but tell us where it started. Um, I know you've been married to your husband after 13 years, um, but tell us where you met and kind of your your story about how you came to um, having your first two children. Yeah. So I met my husband, Thomas, freshman year of college. And I went into school committed not to dating because I knew I had six years of school ahead of me. I was going in for psychology. I knew I had my master's in counseling. Um, so I knew I had at least that time frame, and I did not want to get distracted. And then I met Thomas and that all went out the window. <laughs> so I, um, I met him through mutual friends and we fell in love very fast. Like we started dating and I think we said, I love you in like a week. It was like ridiculously fast, but it felt right. And we were engaged five months later and then we were married a year after that. So we went into our junior year married and did the whole marriage and school thing and it's really, I, I look back and I actually love that we did it that way. We really grew up together and we were there to encourage each other through different like phases of life. We've been together, like you said, 
13, we've been together 15 years, we've been married 13 years. And just to go through so many seasons of life from a younger age, I just think has helped us grow even closer. So he's still my best friend. We, um, you know, love doing life together, encourage each other. Like he has always just pushed me in the most amazing and best ways. And so I can't imagine not having, you know, these last 15 years without him. So it's, it's been really cool. So yeah, we were married doing school together. Then I went on, I did my master's. My number one goal was I'm not having kids in school. I knew I could do marriage, but I was like, there's no way I can do kids in school. I I knew my limits. And I went on to do my master's. Thomas did half of his master's, says he's on a sabbatical to this day. So we'll see. Um, And I graduated school and I was a therapist for about a year, but found out pretty quickly that being with clients, um, you know, hour after hour, paperwork clients, I'd leave when the sun was coming up or leave for work when the sun was coming up, leave after work and the sun was going down. And I was like, I don't know if this is the pace for me. I maybe want my day to be a little bit more dynamic, but I didn't know that until I was doing it. So, um, so anyway, I decided to go to nutrition school and I also um, got certified in fitness because those were developing passions on the side. And I just thought, why not? And that kind of led me to opening up a fitness studio. Um, this is a very abbreviated version, but opens that up and um, launched it. My husband had his own business going at the same time. So we were very career for- focused for many, many years. And then when I was getting ready to turn 30, I was like, I think we need to start thinking about starting a family. Like it was more practical than anything else of like, I think this is the time frame that we do this. Yes. And so it's a box, right? You know? (laughs) Yes. I'm like, oh wait, what no, we can't miss this one. So let's think about this. So we started praying about it. And I we had always like discussed adopting from the time we were dating, that was always a passion of ours. I actually had always thought, even since I was a teenager, that I would adopt, but it would be internationally. I didn't really know and understand um, adoption from foster care until my husband did an internship at one of our local emergency shelters here. And he was telling me all about you know, the kids that were coming into care. And I was like, well, when we adopt, like we should adopt from the state. We should adopt from our county, from kids that are here. And so it was always kind of woven into our conversations of future plans. Um, but we were getting ready to start trying for a baby. And I um, was at church one day and was just praying about this like specific season of our life. And I felt that I just, when picturing our future, I was like, I feel like we should start with adoption. And I didn't know anybody who had done this. You know, a lot of families, they will have biological children first, adopt after, And so I didn't have an example of that, but I was like, I just feel like this is what we should do. So I I slipped my husband like a note during church and I was like, what if we adopted first? And he wrote back, yes, exclamation point. And so we left church that day, went and talked and we're like, okay, let's do this. We don't know what we're doing, but we feel like we should. Yes. And so then I made a mistake. I went on Google and (laughs) I... Read horror stories of different situations and blog posts. And I was so overwhelmed. I was like, I do feel like this is what we're supposed to do. But it seems it's so intimidating. There's so much unknown involved in it. And like I said, I didn't know anybody who did it. And at this point, you know, I've just turned 30. Like my kids are my friends are just starting to have kids. And so 
I decided like with Thomas, like we're just going to take it one step at a time. And at any, we didn't tell anybody outside of our immediate family, like our parents and our siblings. And we just decided at any point, if we didn't feel comfortable with this, we would just stop and no harm, no foul. Like we're just going to pursue this until God shuts the door and makes it very clear, like not to pursue it anymore. And so, um, we got connected with a local foster care agency here who also, and I know it's different state to state, but how it works, at least in my county, is you can go and go the foster care route and adopt potentially through foster care, but that's not the goal. If you're fostering, you're fostering. The goal is reunification with the parents, mm-hmm. um, which I knew that's not what I wanted to do at that time. I th- I knew that I wanted to only go the adoption route. And again, here in my county, they do allow that. And so we went the straight adoption route. We did the orientation and, you know, they shared with us all the good, the bad and the ugly. They inform you in that first meeting, every aspect and every side of it to, you know, be very honest and forefront about what you are getting into. And again, the great aspects and the amazing things that come with it, but also, you know, the difficulties. And so we decided they they had all, um, said we could do the class because you have to come kind of like apply in a sense. Right. And we started classes and we were young. So we wanted a younger child. Um, and we said we were open to a sibling group, but it never crossed our minds because we wanted younger. We thought, well, how likely is it that we're going to get a sibling group with one wanting under, you know, two or three years old? And so we checked that box that we were open to it. Um, and we were told after our home study that we could be potentially waiting for a while because we wanted younger and we specifically wanted a girl. And so we said we were completely fine with that. Like I had just launched new programs. We were launching spin at my fitness studio. We had just expanded the studio. Thomas was moving offices. I was like, that is totally fine. Time is on our side. And then I got a call the next day. Oh, wow. (laughs) Literally the next day, like our home study had not even been signed off yet, like by um, the courts, like nothing was even finalized, but they said they had come across a file of a little girl who was 18 months old and that they didn't have very much information, but if we would like to move forward. And so we said, sure, we'll move forward. We'll see. And how it works in the adoption, at least within the state, is there's an interview process. It's kind of crazy, but it's literally like The Bachelor. (laughs) Like you have to have three families. It could be somebody who's single, but three families who are wanting to adopt that child. That's the only way you can move forward. And all three families have to interview. And then whoever is on the child's case, they pick who gets to move forward in the process, basically. So that's that's right before... (laughs) It was, I have never been more nervous in my life. Like my heart was pounding out of my chest. Like the wait for that meeting was so intense. I just, the second we got in there, it was fine. But in the week between them telling us about this little girl and us interviewing, they emailed us saying, Hey, we know you told you, we told you about the little girl. We actually also found out that her mom is pregnant. So if you want to move forward with interviewing for her, you have to also be willing to take this baby. And that was a little bit overwhelming. I had never in this scenario pictured a newborn. It just, 
you know, 99.9% of the time, that's just not how it works within right. the state. And so never crossed my mind, never crossed my mind, really sibling group outside of checking that box. And so my husband was an immediate yes. He said, let's do it. And I said, okay, I need a day to pray. So I prayed about it. I ended up saying, okay, let's move forward. So we interviewed. Now when we go in for the interview, we're not just interviewing for the little girl, but two kids. And so- Wow, that's, that's a out- lot to begin in one week, right? I mean, that's- It was an insane week. Wow, that's 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 a pretty heavy week. <laughs> it, was, it was intense. I will tell you, it was like left and right. We were making decisions and having to make decisions fast, like really fast because they wanted to push- once they found out that mom was pregnant, they wanted to push her case forward very quickly because they wanted her to be matched with a family with enough time before the baby was born so they, you know, the family could build attachment, all of that before adding another child into the mix. And so they were they were ready to go. And mind you, I was like a week previously like, okay, this is going to take a long time. But I did a piece about it and I was like, we're just going to keep moving forward until you know, we don't have peace anymore. And then we'll reevaluate. And so we go into the interview, we find out that mom is pregnant with a little boy, and that it would be an expedited termination of her rights once the baby was born. And that sounds like very fast. It's not, it's just fast in the courts world. And so um, again, we had to be willing to take both right away, in which we said we would. And then we got the call a week later, that they had picked us. And so um, it was a very quick turnaround of events, but they picked us and we're like, okay, let's move forward. So we um, decided to meet like the next day. They were like, let's make this happen ASAP. So we met next the next day in a Panera bread. Or how funny. I know. I remember um, remember that Panera bread in that day probably. Oh, forever. Forever. Her guardian of light brought her to the Panera bread for us to meet. and so we met her and the second I met her, I mean, I fell head over heels in love with her sweetest little thing. Um, she was so tiny. So she was 18 months old, but she was wearing six to nine month clothing. So in this week that I had known about her and knew that we um, got matched with her, I went and I bought a bunch of, you know, clothes and things, but everything I was like, I met her and she was so tiny um, at the time we were told that she was considered failure to thrive. And so, um, she was a little peanut, very shy, um, but so sweet. And we just, yeah, both my husband and I fell in love with her and we decided that day we asked the guardian Latum and her foster mom, can she move in with us already? And they were able to push it through the courts and it was supposed to be like more of a slow transition, but, um, because of the timing of everything and with her brother being born, they, they decided to push it through. So she actually, we left that day. We borrowed the guardian at Lightham's um, car seat and she came home with us. Oh, and never wow. That is crazy. It was very fast. Yeah. It was <laughs> meant to be though, right? I mean, it was meant to be. Yeah. It, was meant, it was so sweet. Like our community showed up, like we had friends coming over, bringing a crib because we had nothing and Amazon couldn't even catch up to how fast this was moving. <laughs> and so uh, we had friends come over, they're putting up a crib that like just everybody in our life stepped up. And it was like, I mean, to hear the story, it sounds wild, but when we were living it out, it just felt 
so natural and like this was always how it was supposed to be. And so Mia, uh, we um, ended up naming her Mia. So Mia moved in with us and her brother was supposed to be born two months later, but he was actually born three weeks later. Oh, wow. And so he um, came a little bit early and um, was in NICU for a little bit and then had to go to a different foster care home for about a week while they were there, there's a lot that I could go into court wise. There's just oh, there's sure. a lot it's just, hands in it yeah. and it's just everybody's trying their best, but everybody's overworked and underpaid and it's just, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. So he ended up going with a foster family for about a week and then he moved in with us as well. And then both of their adoptions were finalized within a year. And so, and the same thing when we met Kai, um, that's my son's name. We just fell in love. He was such a tiny little nugget and it was just really amazing and beautiful to see the two of them together. They had like an instant connection from day one. And I was just so grateful that we could play a small part in having them stay together. Right. And so, um, so anyway, that's the short version of our adoption story. So that kind of landed us with both of them in just a few weeks. And now Mia is six and Kai is four years old. So um, do they know that they're adopted? Have you had, now that they're older, do they understand um, the process or, and what, what are their thoughts about that? Or how did you approach that with them? I know a lot of parents think, you know, how am I supposed to talk to my child about that? Yeah. And I understand that's so valid. So for us, what we did is we've made it an open conversation from day one. Um, You know, they're allowed to ask any questions sometimes, you know, specifically Mia, because she's a little bit older. So her questions are going to be have a little bit more depth to them. But I'll tell you know, some things I say, I can't tell you that right now, because you're not old enough. But I promise you when you are, I will give you all the answers. Um, and so we have just kind of built it into our life from day one. We celebrate their adoption days every year. We do a cake. We have friends over. Um, but we also work really hard to acknowledge that it's hard, that, you know, it's it's a loss on their end. It's, it's a gain for us, you know, in terms of me and Thomas, but it's still a loss. And, um, you know, we we only talk about their parents in a loving way that really respects them because they deserve that. And so it's just built into our natural everyday life. And I know that that just sounds crazy, but from day one, we just made that decision to build it in because we don't want them to ever feel weird about asking or talking about it. Like it's part of who they are and to ignore it would mean to ignore a pretty significant part of who they are. So we, um, we talk about it openly, you know, like adoption days, especially here recently, they, they are celebrated, but also it does stir up a lot in them. And so we, we have a lot of those conversations and I know that that will only continue and get more intense as the years go on. But I, I feel ready to do that with them. And I think that they deserve that. So of course, I think your, your therapy background and your psychology background, you know, obviously like myself, I think really lends some, um, you know, ways to go about having that conversation with them and, you know, almost therapeutically being able to help them. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's also meant to be that you had that background before you went through this process, because I think that also 
I'm assuming, um, helped you um, emotionally and mentally go through all of this and be prepared to help them emotionally and mentally go through it as they grow up as well. Yes, 100%. I think that has contributed big time. My, my husband's background is also in social work. So I feel like between the two of us, we had a pretty good understanding going into it. Obviously, we have learned so, so much throughout the journey. Um, and my perspectives have changed a lot as well. And I've given myself space and grace within that. There's a lot of things that I went into that I thought I knew about foster care and adoption and have changed over time and evolved over time. And I, I feel very differently about many aspects regarding it. I've learned so much and I'm continuing to learn because, you know, each child's story is different. Um, there's different elements that, you know, it all matters and it all plays a part. And so I've just, we've, we've made it our goal in our household to make them feel as comfortable as possible. Um, when talking about these things and like I said, to do everything in our power to acknowledge it as much as possible so that they feel comfortable and confident within it. And so exactly. Yeah. So as the years go on, like we are for sure committed to that. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, I love that. I mean, you're, you're obviously very invested in your children. I mean, that's very obvious and just, you know, have so much love for them and, um, as you said, it's definitely a gain for you. And I do think it's also a gain for them, you know, that, that you were paired together and they found you and, you know, they get to grow up and live their lives with you. So, um, and I know you have another, um, another daughter that we have not talked yeah. about yet that I'd love to hear that part of your, um, life journey as well. Okay. So I would love to hear about, um, your third child, um, uh, Aria that, um, that came along and I'd love to hear uh, a little bit about, about your, your journey and your story with her as well. Yeah. So yes, that's a whole other part of the the story and journey that I'd love to share. So Aria, basically when Kai was turning one years old on his actual first birthday, my husband Thomas was like, I want another one. And I was like, do we though? Because we (laughs) and this has all happened really fast. And he's like, well, just give me one chance. So I was like, okay, you got one shot. Well, then came Aria. I was pregnant. Literally, Within seconds of that conversation, I feel like. Oh my goodness. And um, we were, of course, so excited. Um, and I was excited for the pregnancy journey and birth. You know, it was something new and different that I hadn't experienced before. And so um, I was, yeah, really pumped about it. And we, went, did all the ultrasounds, all the things. Um, and then at my 20 week appointment, my doctor's office does what's called a quad screening. And it's a blood test that checks for indicators of spinal bifida and down syndrome. And I don't even remember even them doing the blood test. Like I was just like, sure, like, but it never crossed my mind. I'm the type of person that until something's something, it's nothing. And so never thought twice about it. Um, we went on Thanksgiving break with the kids and then we came back and about a week later and I got a phone call from, um, the nurse practitioner that, um, there had come back some indication that, um, my daughter could put at that point, we knew it was a girl could potentially have down syndrome. And she's like, it doesn't mean that she has down syndrome, 
but it did come back positive. We get false positives all the time. Um, there's specific ratios that we look at and that will give you a better indicator. And I was like, okay, well, what are my ratios? And she was like, okay, hold on one second. And then she comes back and she's like, actually, can you come in for an appointment tomorrow? And so, you know, when I heard that, my heart sank Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay. So we scheduled the appointment. I immediately called Thomas. I was actually at my fitness studio at the time. I called him shared with him what they had said. And he was like, listen, until, you know, until we have more information, there's no reason to get upset or stressed. Let's just take it one step at a time. And, you know, when you get home, I'll meet you home and we'll go from there. So I was like, okay, okay. So I went in, I did a workout and, um, I got in my car and I was driving home and I called my mom and I was just so upset because there was a huge part of me that knew that, she did have Down syndrome. And it it went beyond like, you know, when you, you hear news and it's like, oh, I can't really unhear it. I just felt it in my core. I was like, this is, she, she has Down syndrome. Like, this is our new reality. And so I got home and I was sitting outside and I, there's a big window looking into the front of our house. And I saw Thomas playing with me and Kai and I was just looking at them and I was just crying and I was like, God, like you just, you have to help me be strong in this. Like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what this means. Like I had had some exposure to kids with Down syndrome when I was a kid. Um, My mom is a physical therapist and she worked in special needs programs and in education. And so I had very minor exposure years prior. Um, But I was just like that fear of the unknown was all consuming. And so I walk into the house and I see Thomas there and I know him. So I know we got off the phone and I know he started researching and finding information. So I was like, hey, what did you find out? And um, he was like, I I read that people with a family with a child with Down syndrome are happier. And um, I just in that moment, I didn't know what it meant for our future. I I didn't know if that was even actually true. But I was like, you know what, we're going to be okay. Like I have the best teammate in the world. I have the most amazing kids, like, we will get through this, and we will figure it out. And so um, the next day, I went in for the doctor's appointment. And he told us that our ratios were there was a one in 19 chance that she would have Down syndrome. And I had read online that night that basically anything under one in 30 meant that there was a very high chance. And again, I already knew. And so they said we could do another blood test called a NIP test that is more precise. It's actually, it's, it's very cool. It's a blood test that can separate yourself and the baby's DNA. So it can look for genetic abnormalities and it's not invasive. It's it's literally a blood test. And so we decided to move forward with that. And um, I was in a fog. I, you know, in one sense, I knew everything was going to be okay. And that, and, and everything was going to be more than okay. I, I knew that. And I had peace about that. But I was also terrified. Um, because here I was, I had a, a two and a half year old and a one year old at home. I was a new mom still. I mean, at that point, I'd only been a mom for a year. Exactly. And I was running a business. Um, and I was just like, how, how will I do it all? And I felt the biggest loss for Mia and Kai. 
I was just like, how am I going to be able to give them everything and a child with special needs at the same time? And that thought is what kept pushing me over the edge. And um, so anyway, I went, I moved forward. I did the NIP test. I was told we would get the results within a week. And so we got, um, I went on with the week and I decided that I was going to put all my attention into educating myself about Down syndrome. I wasn't going to obsess about the numbers. I wasn't going to read statistics about what numbers meant what and learn more about the test. I was like, I want to learn a bit more about people with Down syndrome and I want to feel more confident about this and I want to educate myself. And so I did that. I immersed myself in blogs and books. I read, um, a book called Bloom that shares a journey of a birth diagnosis of a mom with a child with Down syndrome. And I just really began to educate myself and I started to feel a lot better. I, all of those um, parameters that I thought were placed on people with Down syndrome didn't really exist anymore. And so with that knowledge, I felt empowered and I was like, okay, like I feel like we can do this. And so, um, a couple of days later, uh, we got the call and it was confirmed with 100% clarity through the test that Aria had Down syndrome. And like I said, I, it was almost like a piece came over me in that moment because I had known it all along and now I really knew. And so, um, you know, there was feelings of grief associated because I had pictured myself pregnant with this one child all along. And then when I found out this child had down syndrome, it, it was hard. It almost felt like that child had passed away and now I was preparing for this child. And that's the only way I can explain it. Um, and so grieving that and grieving the future that I thought that child was going to have was hard. And I gave myself space to do that. I didn't want to bury the emotions and, you know, shove them under the rug. I, I didn't want anything to come up later. I'm like, this is the time to do this. Like, this is the time to process and to get through these emotions so that when she comes, I'm past it. And that was my goal. So it was like, feel the hard things, educate myself, um, become more aware uh, of what it's like to raise a child with Down syndrome. And um, so that by time she's here, I'm ready. And so for the next four months, that was everything that I did. Um, we found out about a week later, um, that she had a heart condition called, um, a ventricular septal defect, which is a very common heart condition, congenital heart defect for children with Down syndrome, about 50%. Of babies with Down syndrome are born with this heart defect, are born with a heart defect in general, and then most of them have that specific heart defect. So that honestly was the one of the hardest parts because now it was like we had all these medical complexities added on, and my my high risk appointments went through the roof. Um, but I again just became really familiar. I started following other people's stories um, who had ha their child had had open heart surgery. And what's crazy is that actually babies specifically with D Down syndrome recover faster and easier from the open heart surgery. And so I would find comfort in, you know, things like that. And so um, 
by time she was born, I was so ready for her and I felt excited. I had processed, I had gone through all the difficult and hard emotions and I was ready for her. And when she was born, I just fell in love in, in a sec. I looked at her, I saw those almond shaped eyes and I was like, girl, you're mine. You are always meant to be mine. And, um, I have been just swooning over her ever since. Um, so she was born and she was born very strong and healthy. We only had about a week NICU stay, um, which is very small in the Down syndrome world. And, um, she did have some struggles in terms of her heart. Um, she did go into active heart failure at about three months old, but, um, our goal was to help her gain weight. And she um, was able to reach 11 pounds at nine months old, which was her goal weight for open heart surgery. So we did her open heart surgery and um, she killed it. She did amazing. She, we were in the hospital for eight days um, after her open heart surgery and she came home and was like a new child. She was strong she, um, her breathing had regulated and, uh, we were weaning her off medications and I have not slowed her down since she has been a little bit ball. She has so much energy, keeps me on my toes. Um, but when, once she had that heart open, her open heart surgery, we were able to kind of wrap up that hard season of our life. It was about a year and a half of just hard. And once she had her surgery, I mean, we flipped the page. It was a new chapter and our family as a whole has just been thriving ever since. My kids, like all three of my kids have the most amazing relationship. Me and Kai love Aria so well. They love her so much. They are like her greatest cheerleaders. Um, And it's just been so amazing as their mom to see how uniquely they were all brought together, but how they were just clearly meant to be. And I think you kind of referenced that in the beginning, like it's just very obvious um, that they were just always meant to be brothers and sisters. So exactly. And how um, old is Aria now? She's now she's two and a half. She'll be three actually next month. Wow. Which is so wild. So yeah. That's so she's amazing. So good. Um, and she is just thriving. So since then to um, kind of add to what you were saying earlier, I have just, made it my goal to really bring awareness um, to Down syndrome and share our life um, because I didn't know when I got Aria's diagnosis, if I could have found, you know, several pages and I found a couple, but it was, it was difficult to find at that time. Um, But if I could have, I just wanted to provide people hope of like, Hey, this is what your life will be like moms with a prenatal or an at birth diagnosis. Like there's so much beauty and joy that come with down syndrome. There's like so much that we can learn um, and all the ways that they will make us grow. And so that's kind of been my goal for the last almost, I guess we'll say three years now um, is really pressing into that and, and bringing awareness to both adoption 
and Down syndrome for that very reason. Exactly. And I'm so glad that you do, because as we talked about before we actually started recording, um, is just there, I think there is a lot of misconceptions out there about uh, Down syndrome specifically, and just children with special needs and what that would look like, what that would feel like. Um, And I think a lot of parents out there, when a child, when their own child, um, Mm -hmm. obviously with a lot of emotions involved, um, are are diagnosed with something, even even after they're born. Let's say, I, I, I told you I worked with a lot of kids you know, on the autism spectrum and things like that that mm-hmm. usually comes after, um, that it's just like you, and I love that you said that you gave yourself space to really kind of just grieve and mourn, you know, what, what type of parent or what kind of child you thought you were having and then what child child you, you are having and being able to find love and peace and joy and beauty in that as well. And that I also think knowing that as moms that we're strong and we can handle mm-hmm. a lot more than we give ourselves credit for and yeah. um, that we can get through those tough times um, and find, you know, the the silver lining, if you will, the rainbow at the end of the tunnel. I mean, life isn't easy. Nothing in life is, is that easy all the time. Um, we have right. our ups and downs and, and different things we go through um, and challenges and things like that. But I think how we get through those challenges, um, educating ourselves, leaning on our, our spouses or family, friends, you know, learning, maybe connecting to others online, finding someone on the internet that is going through something similar that you're going through and being able to connect with them, I think just goes a long way in not feeling so alone when we're going through something like this. So um, I'm I'm overjoyed that you're sharing your journey. And I know we're almost out of time, but I know you also have a big announcement um, that you just shared online that I'd love for you to share with this audience as well um, on your next step, which which I feel like kind of combines those three children into this announcement. So will you share what um, you're going through right now and what the next step is in your family? Yeah. So um, a few months ago, we were just praying about the next steps for our family. Um, you know, we, we don't necessarily usually do things in the traditional sense. So we knew it was going to be a little bit more outside the box. Um, but when we were praying, we've really just felt like adopting a child with Down syndrome was the next and right move for us. Um, obviously, we have a heart for adoption and we've been so blessed um, by our kiddos because of it. And then we have grown and have such a huge heart for Down syndrome, all individuals with Down syndrome. And so we just felt like this is such a good fit for our family. Um, And so we have, yeah, been so excited to pursue that. We, a few months ago, uh, started the process, did our home study. It's a completely different track than we had done prior because this will most likely be private adoption because we're wanting under two to stick with birth order. But um, it's been a really cool experience learning about, you know, private adoption, how it works, you know, potentially having an open adoption with the biological parents. And so we're just really excited to see how this unfolds. And so now we're just waiting. We're, we're a waiting family with the National Down Syndrome Adoptive Network. And so at any point we could get that call. And so we're ready for it. Um, Well, based on your life story, I was going to say that you'll probably get the call this weekend. (laughs) I know. I know. I like all bets are off. I stopped trying to like guess timelines several years ago. I was like, I'm not good at this. I'm always wrong. (laughs) So I'm not putting any energy into it. Things will come as they may. And we will always adapt and figure it out. And it's always 
you know, exactly how it should be. So well, I, I, just, I love that. I love your story. Um, thank you so much for just being so open and honest and vulnerable and just being able to be transparent and sharing, um, you know, your, your motherhood journey. It's again, a very unique and beautiful one. And I personally been so inspired by it. And I know everyone who's listening will also be inspired by it. Um, where can people find you online to um, continue following your story and get that good news when you get that call about your next adoption? The time that I spend most on is Instagram and um, it's at Kirsten Chernick. I also have a blog. I'm not as active. I used to be more, but I just had to cut down on timeframes in terms of what I can give to what. So that's um, kirstenchernick.com. So both of those places you can find me. Um, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you um, listening to my story and your kind words. It really just means so much. Thank you for joining us today. I can't wait to have you back for more. Make sure to subscribe to the Parentologist podcast so you don't miss an episode and make sure to tell your friends. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.